If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis uh, 24 this morning. We started last week, we went through the first nine verses. This morning we're going to pick up with verse 10 and go through uh, 28. Just to remind you uh, what we covered last week. Abraham, this is his last words that we have recorded in the scripture. And he tells his servant to go and to find a bride for his son. Of course, this is how the promises continue. It wasn't just that he would have a son, but that through this son and the generations, eventually we would have a Messiah. And so it's important here that his son has a bride. And it's also important that this bride doesn't come from Canaan. He says, go back to where we came from and find a bride from our own family and bring her back here. Never take my son back there. This morning, as we cover uh, the next verses of 24, we see the mission continue to unfold. Uh, You're going to hear me use the word bride a lot, and it's going to kind of interchange. Yes, we're looking for a bride for um, uh, for Isaac, but at the same time, uh, bride for us carries this significant language in the word, does it not? And Often you hear the church described as the bride of Christ. So I'll use it from time to time, meaning uh, the church. Let me pray before we turn to God's word. Lord, we come this morning with anticipation and expectation to hear your voice. To be led by you as the servant was led, as Abraham was led. Would you lead us this morning, our father? into truth, into understanding, into confidence in in your promises and who you are and what you are doing and your whole story of redemption for your people. We thank you, our God, that you have given us your son, the bridegroom, and that you would call us the bride. We thank you that Christ, as we've already heard, has done everything Necessary for our salvation. Oh Lord, give us ears to hear and understanding. May your spirit be at work in our hearts in this church. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Beginning with verse 10, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the back of your order of worship. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom, who no man had known. 
She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, Drink, my lord. She quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder, room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. This is God's word for his people this morning. Amen. Uh, We're going to consider the outstanding confidence that the servant has in God as he goes about the mission that he has been sent on to go after this bride. We'll see three things. One, prepared. Two, prayerful. And three, pursuing. First, he was prepared uh, when our family, uh, as, we, as we like to in September, go on camping trips, we take the time to prepare for the journey. Uh, well, Ruth takes the time. I'm the driver. Ruth plots out where we're going to stop, where we're going to spend the night, uh, what we need in the back of the vehicle uh, for the weather that we're to expect, the food that we are going to eat, all of it she has prepared us for. All I have to do is drive. And you have to be prepared. When you go out west in September, you might run into warm weather, you might run into cold weather. We know the mission, and we are prepared for the journey. And one would be a fool if he went camping, especially with children. They didn't take the necessary time to think through the journey. We have confidence because we have those things packed. I say all of that. It's because this is where we start in our passage. The details are important to us. The mission is ready to go underway. And this is a well thought out journey for the servant. After committing himself uh, to Abraham and to God in a vow, the servant is ready to travel the great distance now to Mesopotamia, nearly 400 and 50 miles to look for the bride of Isaac. In coming weeks, I, we will focus more on this bride, but this morning I want to turn our eyes to the servant who is being sent out. Verse 10, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and arose and went to the city of Nahor. He had all he needed for the journey. The details teach us something about the important mission. 
to camels. They can carry uh, heavy loads. They can survive the hardship of travel through difficult land. The gifts have been loaded to, for the, the bride price to give to the bride if she would come. And whatever else packed to make the journey, not only uh, to go there, but to return. There is a lot of the journey that the servant, quite frankly, has no idea what's going to happen. In fact, even when he arrives, he doesn't know who he's looking for. And yet he goes with confidence. But I want us to see there's one other way in which the servant is prepared in the mission that he has been sent on. And for that, we go to last week. You remember the servant asked uh, after Abraham said, I need you to go find this bride. And he goes, okay, uh, but what if I go, I find this woman and she will not come back with me. Am I supposed to take my son or take your, uh, your son back to that land. He says, no, absolutely not. And then he gives something to the servant, which is of the utmost importance. He speaks to him and he reminds him of everything that God has told him so far, that God's told Abraham so far. This God, he says, of heaven and of earth has made great promises to me and he has blessed me and blessed my family and never, not for one second, has his steadfast love or his faithfulness failed me. Go. In light of that. In understanding who this God is that we're being obedient to. Who this God is that sends us. It is this God that goes before you. You go get her. And you bring her back. But you don't dare find yourself staying in that land. For the land we are in now is the land God has given us. You see, in order to be fully prepared for the mission God has him on, Yes, the camels and the treasure are important and necessary, but the real preparation was being steeped in what God has said through His Word. That part is the real concrete that makes the servant agree to go. And in order to be a faithful servant to God, we need to know Him who sends us out into this world. We need to know what He commands, what He expects of His people. And the real assurance of going into the unknown is what can be known concerning the Lord our God who is steadfast and faithful. Being prepared to go where God sends is not the confidence we place in our stores of what we have physically but what we treasure up in spiritual knowledge and know of His power. Consider what Abraham told the servant. He says, you're not going alone. God will send His angel before you as you go. What Abraham was seeking to instill in the servant was God's providence and his preparation before the servant ever arrived. All this to say, all this to, to highlight for us this morning, this is what it means to be a servant. We are to trust the work of God 
as the means by which we are guaranteed success. And note, success for the servant wasn't if he found the bride. Success for the servant that was sent out was that he was to go in obedience, doing exactly as God commanded. For Abraham told him, look, you're promising before God. And if you don't find her, you are relieved. Come back here. Just don't take my son back to the place where he was already drawn out of. It was enough for him, the servant, to understand the mission he was sent for and to rest in God's hands. Don't we wish we had all the details? Listen, don't you wish you had the details when it comes to inviting someone to Christianity Explored? I wish I knew who to invite that would come. And uh, quite frankly, my name would be on paper, and wouldn't that look nice? I wish I knew who would respond to the gospel. Wouldn't that make it easier? I, I, I wish I knew what God had for me for tomorrow. If God would just disclose to us everything, wouldn't it be easier for us? But if that were true, where would our faith come in? We would rely on, we, we would rely on, would we rely on God if we knew every detail? The servant had what he needed. He had the knowledge of God. He had the intel. Isn't this what God intended to teach Israel by this passage? You know, we, we have to remember that there was someone else reading this for the, for the very first time in Israel. Why were they in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, they did not trust God who was sending them on mission into the land. And when they hear about giants and they hear about strongholds, they don't trust him and they don't go in obedience. And so now this next generation, 40 years, is reading this and hearing. What does it mean to be a servant of the Lord? What does it mean to be prepared to go into the land of Canaan? Is it not to trust the God of steadfast love and, and faithfulness who has watered us and fed us in the wilderness? Who has torn down before their eyes Jericho? Yes, this is the God who sends on us on mission, the God to be trusted, the God who has prepared us in everything by revealing himself to us so that even in the instruction that Moses gives them as they go in, what are they supposed to do? Remember. Remember what God said, what God did. Remember as you go forward. We are called as servants of God. We're called to go on mission. We are called to be prepared to go where God sends us. So what is our mission as his servants? Jesus told you. He told you enough information, by the way. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He didn't stop there. He goes before us, he says, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This sounds an awful lot like what Abraham told the servant. The God of heaven and earth has a mission that that you are sent on, that you go to seek a bride, telling her of what God has 
tell her what God has promised to Isaac. And don't worry, God goes before you and with you until the end of the age, until the mission is accomplished. We are still here as servants on a mission. Are we prepared? Do we know enough about our Lord that we can go in confidence into the unknown? What do we have? What do we carry in this arsenal for evangelism, for the mission? What provision are we called to take up? Let me tell you, you carry a great gift, a great treasure in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes before us in the desire to call the bride. And by that, I mean the church. Just like the servants, we don't know if they will respond But this is not the point. Rather, it is to know and be prepared that God would send his people on mission and to trust that he will take care of that part of the narrative of whom he calls. We're simply to go in the knowledge of God and he will draw whom he wills. And you take up the gift, the free gift of the glorious gospel to adorn the bride in. Is this not the treasure of heaven? So we are to be prepared in knowing God and His promises and power and to take up the necessary tools for drawing the bride. The rest is in God's hands. This then leads us to our second point. We are to be prayerful. Prayerful is the servant. As the servant arrives at his destination, the very first thing he does as he gets to the well is he goes to the Lord in prayer. You see, he knows the secret of success. It should be a secret, right? But I feel like uh, in modern times, it's, all, it's almost like a secret. Do you understand the power that rests in prayer? The ability to go and to speak to the, the founder and creator of the whole earth. And he invites you to come into his presence and to make your requests known. Not, it should be a secret. Let it be revealed then. Human effort gives way to providential care. It is God's mission, not His mission. Psalm 32 says, Therefore anyone who is godly offer prayer to God at a time when He may be found. Prayer is the necessary tool of those who are godly. It should be the impulse and the heartbeat of the Christian life. The servant knows what to do, but not how it will be accomplished. I mean, how many of you have ever been in that situation when you didn't know what to do? What is your impulse? When you're, when you're lost, I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where this leads. We live in an age when just about anything that you could possibly want to know can be Googled and yours in a minute. Any question you might have. Now, there's the question of whether or not the Internet can be trusted, right? Whether Wikipedia is the best source of information. It's all fine and good to look for a quick answer. But when it comes to spiritual matters and questions... 
There is a much better resource. Turn to God and turn to His Word and bend those knees and scuff up those pants. We are to be a people that avail ourselves to the ordinary means of grace. By ordinary, I don't mean weak. By ordinary, I mean these things that He places before us day in and day out. These ordinary things, the preaching of the Word, the reading of the Word, Sacraments, prayer, these ordinary ways that God communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Children, look up here. Do you know why your parents teach you to pray? Why do they teach you to pray? It's so that you understand your relationship to the Heavenly Father. There's a lesson in it. That you get to cry out to Him and speak to Him. That there is relationship. The same way you might make your requests known to your parents. You, you cry out to God and all of your needs. Children, they're training you to trust this God who is faithful. Who cares for you. Who wants to hear from you. That you might make it an exercise. And that you might grow in this grace and implement it. And become all of your life prayers who love to speak to God. It will give you great confidence. If you don't know what to do. The servant teaches us. It's avail yourself. To the power of God. And the power in prayer. Prayer in itself is, a, is, is an exercise. An acknowledgement. In your own weakness. John Bunyan says. You can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. The details of his prayer, the servant's prayer, are instructive to us in verses 12 through 14. He speaks to God about what he has to do. Four things found in his prayer should be in our prayers. First, he articulates the promises. He recognizes the lordship of God. He, he, he lays claim to that steadfastness of God toward Abraham, which means the promises given to Abraham. And he's speaking to God, speaking back to God, those promises. God hasn't forgotten. One other Puritan says this, prayer is nothing but the promises reversed. Or God's word formed into an argument and retorted by faith unto God again. Prayer isn't reminding God because he forgot, but laying claim to who he is. And you say it because you know it. You know these things to be true and say, God, you've, you've said this about yourself. And I speak it back to you because I'm weak and I have no other confidence and I don't know what I'm doing. We should plead God's character and promises in our prayers. And that's what the servant asks. That God might deliver a bride. Second, the servant has an expectation that God will answer. He has seen God's steadfastness to Abraham and he expects him to remain so. Do you believe that when you pray? That this is the way God acts towards his people? God will never fail you in His steadfastness and His faithfulness. You can count on it when so many other things can't be counted on in this world. God will never let you down in this matter. Where He sends you, He will also be with you. 
Third, the servant has a burning desire and willing submission to do God's will. The passage says a lot of women will be coming out for water. Who is the right one is his question. He doesn't want to be hasty in his decision. He wants to see if the Lord will reveal the right one. The one whom he has appointed. Take note of that. The one whom he has appointed. Whom God appoints unto salvation. Will that ever fail? Will that ever fail? Servants of God, you are relieved of that. Whom God has appointed will not fail according to God's will. You are relieved of that. But we should have a burning desire to do the will of God. Fourth, as he offers up his prayer, he stands ready to do what God reveals. Verse 13, he says, here I stand. Here I stand and I watch. And I anticipate you working God. Whatever God reveals, He stands ready to act in obedience. Prayer is directing His heart to God for help and guidance and answer. His prayer is, Lord, I come to You and I, and without You, I will not go. His prayer is a remembrance of who God is and a directive to what God wants. Again, We are called to be such servants. What does God want from us? Is it not to go and seek His bride? Is it not to go into the world looking for those who have been appointed unto salvation? And this is what the Great Commission is. It is to search for those who will come when He calls. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. How do they hear the voice? How do they come to know Him? Well, He has used us as servants to be heralds of this good news to go after the bride, calling out in His name. I mean, it's fine and it's good that we're going to do Christianity Explored. We're hoping that it avails the gospel to those who have never believed, but it is all for naught. It isn't saturated. And the desire of His people and the prayers of His people that God would answer the request. And just as the servant, look, I feel it too, as Christian explosive, I, I feel it more and more my own weakness. Do you feel the fear? What is it to share the gospel, to put myself out there to be exposed? Yes, feel weak in the task. But that's the point. We could never save them. We cry out to God to do that work. We can't make them move one foot towards heaven. You are absolved of that task. For as God's alone, what you are called to is obedience to go and reliance upon Him who sends you. Just as God went before the servant, He goes before you in invitation and proclamation of the gospel. When God makes a divine appointment, it will never fail. Failure isn't in whether or not the bride is one, but on whether or not the servant goes. And it's stunning in verse 15 that before he finished praying, Rebecca was already arriving. The servant was prepared, was prayerful, 
And now we see him in pursuit, our last point. He sees, you know, other women are coming. It's the time when women come. And he sees the beautiful woman, Rebecca, coming with her jar in verse 17. He runs. He runs over to her to meet her. He's eager to see if this might be the one God will reveal. He can't be sure, but instead hopes that in answer to his prayer, it will be made known to him. And so he he had the list that he gave God in prayer. That's not how we always function, right? We don't say, God, you've got to do this, 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 and this. And then I'll know. But here, he asks. It says, verse 21, he watched. He watched this woman who uh, met the second part of the prayer. Can I also water your camels? And he sits there and he watches. Now, uh, a camel, I've read this. I don't know this for a fact. Uh, Todd's been in the Middle East. Matt's been in the Middle East. Maybe you can verify this. A camel can drink 25 gallons of water. And a jar carries about three gallons. And she's about to water 10 camels. And he sits and watches. We're talking probably... I don't know, a couple of hours. I don't know how strong Rebecca was. He watches and he waits. Oh, what a gracious woman to, to receive this man in such a way. He was looking for the one whom he might set the treasure upon, unite her to the family that God will prosper and to wed her to the son of promise. And he did his part. And now he, he watches to see what God will do. Will she respond to the gracious offer of good news that he bears? And her responses is her own to make. His role is prepared, prayed over, and he has per- pursued. We're in that season now as a church in which we should be in full pursuit Full pursuit of the lost. Full pursuit as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We have done what we may to prepare ourselves. We have been praying and praying every Wednesday night during the week. In the, in the prayer emails that go out to you. It is time for pursuit. It is time to go after the lost. And we're so good at the first two, aren't we? The ones that don't carry much risk. I'll sit and listen and be prepared all day long. And I'll even pray for it. But to go out there and to go after, oh, that's too much risk. But look at the result of what the servant gets to witness in being obedient. It's what my heart longs for. And I cry out to God in my ministry, God, would you grant that stands before us more of the beautiful bride that is converted and and baptized and that your church be filled up with her. The servant gets to see the realization of the mission God has us on as servants. And we miss something of our mission if it doesn't result in the marveling it what God does and what He uses to accomplish His ends. The servant placed on her the gold ring and the bracelets and implements of the, the, the proposal and received the revelation from her answer that she was exactly who God intended him to meet. She was the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah. She was a relative of Abraham. 
And he stops dead when he hears that. And he sees the marvelous work of God. And he falls to his knees in front of her. She's probably like, what in the world is going on with this guy? This guy's got uh, camels and he's got uh, gold that he's placing. Right now he falls down before me and he, he, he erupts into this worship where he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Rebecca gets a first taste of what will be a glorious union. The man before her is enraptured with God who has led him on this journey and the heavens, as it were, have opened up and she is getting a foretaste of this wonderful, redemptive work of God that is drawing her into the promises. She will be grafted in by marriage to God's family of salvation. I long for this for our church that we might see this kind of ingrafting, that we would be filled with servants of God who get the privilege and the joy to be sent out on mission into the world to share the gospel. And we pray that God would grant evangelism to have its end in, in the resurrection, spiritually speaking, of those who did not know Christ and now know Him. We have such a great treasure to lay upon those who, have, who would be called the bride of Christ. May we see them adorned in it by coming in faith. And man, we need to storm the throne room of grace and ask God that He might grant this. And then we need to go and pursue. Would you do that with me? Would you do that as a body of believers? Let us go and look for the lost. And let us trust in God that He will see it to its good end. Let's pray.